Support for Innovation Hub comes from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to unleash the immune system's power to fight cancer and help develop promising new therapies. Videos, white papers, and patient stories are available at discovercarebelieve.org. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. cambridgesavings.com/csb1. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. If you were on the hunt for an expensive house, a very expensive house, where would you look? So it depends on where you are. But if you're in New York, you might want to try the streets that ring Central Park. If you're in Chicago, you could try Lakeshore Drive, which is right next to Lake Michigan. You could try the leafy sections of Beverly Hills, the beaches of Malibu. What all those places, places where you can easily find homes that top 5 or $10 million, what they all have in common is that they're close to nature, even if they're in these huge urban areas. But what's the draw? Why is it so desirable to be right next to natural environments, especially if those environments are perceived as scarce? Is nature good for us in ways that we've priced into real estate, but we haven't really talked much about in terms of health? Florence Williams argues that it is. She's a contributing editor at Outside Magazine and author of the new book, The Nature Fix, Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative. Florence, thanks for your time. Hi, Kara. It's good to be here. So when you think about how prized nature is in urban areas, like this idea of it's being really expensive, right, to live next to a place like Central Park, do you feel like even before the data was in, we've been sort of subconsciously pricing in a kind of intrinsic advantage to nature? I think that's exactly right. You know, it's it's also like that eighth hole on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> we we know we want to look out at pastures or trees or oceans or some kind of wide open spaces. We know that these make us feel like we can take a deep breath. You know, we they they bring us some peace, some measure of peace in a chaotic world. How do you define nature? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I actually like Oscar Wilde's very generous definition, which is nature is just a place where birds fly around uncooked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, be careful, because that's the subway station in Boston. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's true. But I, I think the point is that it doesn't have to be truly spectacular. You know, it doesn't have to be a wilderness. We can still get a lot of the benefits of nature from hanging out. Uh, you know, in the backyard or even having a big, beautiful tree out our window. Um, As long as we notice that they're there and and pay a little bit of attention, we can kind of cultivate the awe that we feel in nature. So give me a sense in terms of how nature affects brains, what scientists have found so far and um, sort of where the research is pointing them. Yeah, there's been a lot of investigation of kind of how these different landscapes affect our our, our physiology. You know, what measures can you see? Mm. You know, what does our nervous system look like uh, in nature (laughs) as as opposed to in the middle of a city? And the results are pretty interesting. I first went to Japan to do this investigation because I heard that there were scientists there taking measures of people's nervous systems even after just 15 minutes of subjects being in a forest. Uh, You can see changes in their brains and in their bodies. Um, So among the things you see are a a reduction in stress hormones being released from from the brain. So, for example, cortisol levels go down. 
blood pressure goes down. And this is nothing else but like taking a walk in the woods, essentially. Right. This is just hanging out in the woods. You know, it's not even an exercise effect, which you might expect to see people feeling better after exercise. And they know this because they also send groups of subjects to kind of walk slowly, stroll around a city, Hmm. uh, a city center, and also to stroll around this forest landscape. Uh, and, and so only in the forest people, <laughs> I'll call them forest people, um, did they see some of these effects. So those also include a change in mood. People reported feeling happier, feeling more vital. And also their negative feelings went down. So feelings mm. of things like frustration or anger, those feelings went down. Do you think that the medical establishment, uh, doctors, are aware of these findings? Because, I mean, so much money is spent on depression medication, blood pressure medication. And if people knew that walking in the forest for 15 minutes or 30 minutes would help your blood pressure go down, I imagine there's lots of both patients and doctors who would be really interested in that information. I have to say, for the most part, I think the medical establishment has no clue. <laughs> I think it, this is not something that's taught in medical school. Hmm. And and I think it's an example of how cut off most of us are from nature, that our doctors really don't experience a lot of nature themselves. Hmm. <laughs> so they don't even know, you know that it makes them feel good necessarily. Yeah, but you don't um, have to experience nature to have read a study showing that people walking in the forest have lower blood pressure after 15 minutes than people walking through the concrete jungle. Right. I mean, right? And if all you want to do is just get your patients to be healthier, well, there's maybe an, an answer right there. Well, I think what's happened so far is that a lot of these studies are still pretty small. So small levels of subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the research is being done in other countries. So that's another piece. And I think that, you know, we live in such an evidence-based society Mm. that for this to really be taught in medical schools, I think we need to reach a whole new level uh, of the research. So we need much larger clinical trials. We need, you know, case control studies. Um, I think we're starting to see some more of this happen, but I think it still has a ways to go. Hmm. Do you see interest from any other parties that might be unexpected? Um, insurance companies obviously have a have a real interest in making uh, people healthier because then they're cheaper to insure, right, if they don't have really serious chronic problems. Um, do you think there's – you know, you said obviously we've got no pharmaceutical lobbying group for walks in the woods, nobody who necessarily would want to bankroll that study. But uh, could there be interest from uh, groups that we might not expect? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to suggest there are no doctors interested in this. Um, There actually is a parks prescription program underway. It's kind of a partnership uh, with the CDC uh, and a number of doctor offices and hospitals across the country. I think now there are 35 uh, medical practices that are experimenting with prescribing parks to their patients. So there is a little bit starting to happen. We also do see it in some unexpected places. For example, prisons. Um, there are a couple of pilot projects mm. underway where nature videos are being piped into the exercise rooms of some prisons out west. And these are being studied. Uh, and what they're finding is that among prisoners who are working out in the rooms with the nature videos compared to working out in rooms with no videos, the inmates are less aggressive. They're calmer. Uh, and some of them are requesting to go in there, um, you know, when they're mm. stressed out, which is pr- so now the guards are not only, 
you know, supporting this idea. But the guards are asking for these nature videos to be played in their break rooms because they need a break from the stress. It's interesting, too, that the effect of nature changing the way your body functions or the way you feel seems to be true even by video. I mean, you're not talking about people taking walks in the woods here, the actual woods. There are benefits even with a potted plant (laughs) in your office. We're seeing some benefits, which is really fascinating Mm. to me. So a little bit of nature has some benefits, um, but it looks like there's a dose response curve. So the more nature and the more time, the better you feel. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller, and I'm talking with Florence Williams, author of the new book, The Nature Fix, Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative. How, in this, with the scientists that you talk to, how do scientists think that nature is changing how our bodies work and how our brains work? What is the, like, mechanism by which we feel better outside or our blood pressure goes down or whatever it is? That's a great question. And I would say there's a a good bit of healthy debate over exactly what's going on. One uh, theory that I like that people talk about a lot is called the attention restoration theory. And basically what it what it suggests is that our frontal cortex, right, that's the frontal part of our brain that's always um, paying attention to tasks that we have to do. It's checking items off our to-do list. It's responding to email. We, we all know that part of our brain because we use it all the time. And, and we don't really give it an, a very much of a break. And so that kind of stresses us out even on a subconscious level when we feel sort of um, grumpy. It's often because the attentional networks in our brain are sort of overworked. I think we can all relate to that feeling. Hmm. Um, And something happens when we go outside, which is that the frontal cortex of our brain seems to quiet down. And you can actually see this on MRI scans. You can see it on some different kinds of EEG scans that now we can take out into the field and you can actually see it happening in real time. And that's because when we're outside in nature, the surroundings are such that our perceptual systems aren't kind of overtaxed. You know, information is coming at us at a kind of slow, natural pace that, frankly, is the pace our brains evolved in, Mm. right? So, oh, there's a bird over there, or there's a bee over here. Oh, a little bit of stress, but oh, but look, there's a sunset, and that makes us feel better. Mm. (laughs) There's sort of recovery built in and a slower pace built in. Mm. And that seems to quiet down that frontal lobe, and that experience in itself is enough to kind of cheer us up, you know, on some level. It's a comfortable, happy space. Are there other notable medical effects that you feel like um, are interesting and that maybe warrant more of our attention? In Japan, there's some really interesting studies also looking at people's killer T immune cells. And those studies seem to suggest that after uh, a couple of days of sort of a vacation, for example, uh, near a forest and, and hiking in a forest, that those killer T cells really go up. And that could be really important for fighting diseases like cancer. So that's one thing. We also see that certain inflammatory cells in our immune system go down. So that's been shown in research uh, actually at the University of California, looking at uh, kids who take a three-day rafting trip. And these are inner city kids. They report a 30% decrease in anxiety. And you can actually see these cytokine cells um, also quieting down. There's some research going on with veterans who have post-traumatic stress, showing that they experience less anxiety, less depression, 
greater feelings of vitality and social bonding, which we also know is associated with positive feelings, uh, also after time in nature. So obviously we live in a world in which already more than half of people on earth uh, live in cities. Uh, right. That's only going up. We're going to hit, by some estimates, um, by 2050, uh, two-thirds of people will live in cities. So people are increasingly, as they have been doing for the past 100 years or more, uh, moving into urban areas. Um, do you worry, like, as we increasingly sort of move on top of each other and build 30-story and 50-story buildings, do you worry that some of the problems that have come with increasing urbanization will be compounded? Yeah, I totally do worry about that. In fact, I was just reading in the paper the other day that a lot of people in Hong Kong are living in these tiny, 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 tiny spaces that they're calling coffin apartments. Oh, my gosh. So you can imagine. Uh, and, and, and you have to just think, boy, that is not a place where your brain is really going to feel comfortable. That resembles nothing, you know, that we have lived in for the last 99.9% mm. of our existence. Um, we also we know that certain mental health problems are a lot worse in urban areas than they are outside of them. Um, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety. So I, I think that urban life takes a toll. And the more that we recognize this, I think the more we can bring to how we design these cities, how we design the spaces, how we make a big effort to provide access for all children to go outside and not just the ones who can afford, you know, golf lessons or going to summer camp. Florence Williams is the author of The Nature Fix, Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative. She's also a contributing editor at Outside Magazine. Florence, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much, Kara. It's been fun. If you'd like to learn more about how different people de-stress in nature, visit our website, innovationhub.org. There we've got an article from Florence Williams about a Japanese practice called forest bathing. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. CambridgeSavings.com slash CSB1.